Sarah says it well, doesn't she? She reflects the struggle. Ella refleja lo que es la lucha nuestra, the struggle to pray, to read God's word every day. Is this an ironclad law? Es una ley, lee la Biblia todos los días. Well, no. It's not a law that you have to eat every day either. No es ley que tengas que comer todos los días. But the Bible says we shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Vivimos por cada palabra que viene de la boca de Dios. So the question is not maybe, uh, are you reading your Bible every day, but how hungry are you? ¿Qué, tan, qué tanta hambre tienes? So that's my encouragement because we're in this two-year project to read the entire Bible, and some of us are on track to finish by the end of the year. Some of us, yeah, maybe not, and that's okay. But I would add to her encouragement, keep at it. Keep going in reading the Bible. We have plans in the back. We have ways of hooking into this online through our Facebook page, through the app that you can put on your phone. Hay muchas maneras de leer la Biblia y queremos animarlos a todos a que sigan adelante uh, alimentándose de la palabra de Dios. We want to keep feeding ourselves God's word. So that's just a little word of encouragement to you. And with that word of encouragement, I want to send off our children right now for our children in worship time. They're going to be feeding upon God's word uh, with their teachers and helpers, even as we're doing the same right here. We're going to be uh, looking into God's uh, word for us today. Uh, and so as the children are heading out, uh, los niños se van para sus clases para alimentarse de la palabra de Dios. Nosotros vamos a hacer lo mismo. I want to let you know we do have copies of the Bible in the back that you're able to use and even take home if you need them. So please feel free to grab a copy. And I want to uh, invite you to turn with me to the reading that we are going to be sharing here today. Uh, les invito a la lectura de hoy. It's from Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9. Mateo 19, versículos 3 al 9. And uh, in the screen here, we'll get the page numbers up. Those are the ones that are connected to the Bibles in the back. La página está conectada con las Biblias de atrás para buscar el texto. So as you're looking that up, I just want to remind you, we're on a march through the Gospel of Matthew, through this different story that Matthew's telling us about Jesus. And as we are, we're, we're taking in large chunks of Scripture. We're taking in, actually uh, attempting to cover two chapters every week. Estamos intentando cubrir dos capítulos cada semana. So today, we're going to read this little part, but our real focus is greater. It's on chapter 19 and chapter 20, all of those two chapters. Estamos cubriendo capítulos 19 y 20. So what I want to encourage you to do is Keep your Bibles open, and I'm going to be referring to different parts of chapter 19 and 20 as we go along. Voy a referirme a varias partes de, de este capítulo. But right now, I'm going to read this section, and so I'll read in English first and then in Spanish. Voy a leer primero en inglés, después en español. This is the word of the Lord for us. So let's listen. Escuchemos la palabra del Señor. Some Pharisees came to him, that is to Jesus, to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. 
I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Algunos fariseos se le acercaron a Jesús y para ponerlo a prueba le preguntaron, ¿está permitido que un hombre se divorcie de su esposa por cualquier motivo? No han leído, replicó Jesús, que en el principio el Creador los hizo hombre y mujer y dijo, por eso dejará el hombre a su padre y a su madre y se unirá a su esposa y los dos <coughs> llegarán a ser un solo cuerpo. Así que ya no son dos, sino uno solo. Por tanto, lo que Dios ha unido que no lo separe el hombre. Le replicaron, ¿por qué entonces mandó Moisés que un hombre le diera a su esposa un certificado de divorcio y la despidiera? Moisés les permitió divorciarse de su esposa por lo obstinados que son, respondió Jesús, pero no fue así desde el principio. Les digo que, excepto en caso de infidelidad conyugal, el que se divorcia de su esposa y se casa con otra, comete adulterio. So, um, I'm not one of those people that really gets into TV game shows. Maybe you are one of those persons that's got to have Wheel of Fortune on every night or whatever. No me meto mucho en los concursos de televisión. But over the years, there is one uh, game show that I will on occasion sit down and watch and actually enjoy. Un concurso que me gusta. And some of you maybe know this. It's a game show by the name of Jeopardy. Se llama Jeopardy en inglés, and perhaps you've played it before. Now, the point of Jeopardy is a little bit different than other game shows. The idea is not for the contestants to come up with the right answers. Los concursantes no tienen que dar la respuesta correcta. The contestants are actually given the answer, and then they have to come up with the right question. They have to come up with the appropriate question that fits the answer. Se les da la respuesta correcta y tienen que formular una respuesta, una pregunta adecuada. So if you've never seen this, I want to give you an example. So here's one, here's an answer. If we could get that up on the screen, the next screen here. Aquí la respuesta. It is the largest province of Canada and was settled by the French. La provincia más grande de Canadá establecida por los franceses. And the right question is, what is Quebec. Que es Quebec. Okay, got it? All right, let's try another one. Another answer. Otra respuesta. One in five Americans suffer from this. I think I'm doing it right now. Being to pollens, drugs, or food. Uno de cada cinco estadounidenses sufre esto, ya sea por polenes, drogas, o alimentos. What's the right question? What are allergies? Que son las alergias? Well, if you live in the valley, you know what they are. But, uh, but you see how that works. It's a little bit different, right? You've got to think just a little bit more and almost in reverse, and it requires you to kind of take a different perspective. Hay que pensar de otro ángulo, de otra perspectiva. Well, I share that with you because today as we look into Matthew chapter 19 and 20, I think we find something similar going on here. Hay algo parecido aquí. Jesus is being confronted in these two chapters. You'll see he's confronted with a series of questions. Sometimes those questions are hostile questions meant to test him, but others are sincere questions. Se le confronta a Jesús con preguntas, a veces para ponerlo a prueba, otra vez no. But in each of those cases, Jesus doesn't only give a right answer. Many times what Jesus is doing is he's challenging people to change their questions. Jesús da la respuesta, pero también reta que las personas cambien las preguntas. Why? ¿Por qué? Well, because many times 
the questions that people are asking show, they reveal that their priorities are in the wrong place. La pregunta revela que sus prioridades no están en el lugar apropiado. And as an example of that, we have what we just read here from Matthew chapter 19. So the Pharisees, these religious experts, come to Jesus and they want to test him. They, they want to challenge him. Los fariseos vienen para ponerlo a prueba. And here's their question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Está permitido que un hombre se divorcie su esposa por cualquier motivo. Now, we need to understand the basis of that question. It has to do with a debate that was going on at that time. Se trata un debate. The debate was about the reasons for divorce uh, and how that could happen. Uh, se trata de los pretextos de divorcio. And the, the scripture that was being looked at specifically, I want to take us to that, is a scripture from Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, Deuteronomio capítulo 24, versículo 1. And this was the kind of the focus of the debate. I'm going to read that scripture. This is uh, talking in Deuteronomy about divorce. Se trata de divorcio. And it says, If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he can go ahead and write a certificate of divorce, and then it covers some other situations. Su nombre se casa con una mujer, pero luego deja de quererla por haber encontrado en ella algo indecoroso, después le da un certificado de divorcio. So the, the focus specifically, I want to hone in on this, is that phrase, something indecent. What does that mean? Algo indecoroso. Well, some Bible scholars in that day were saying that something indecent should be translated differently. It should be translated anything indecent. Algunos decían que se debe traducir cualquier cosa indecorosa. In other words, if a man finds anything indecent about his wife, he can divorce her. In other words, he can divorce her for what? For any and every reason. Si un hombre encuentra cualquier cosa indecorosa sobre su esposa, puede divorciarse de ella por cualquier motivo. And I want to stress there that it, by and large, it was the men doing the divorcing. We're talking about a male-dominated society, and in, so in, in this particular situation, you are putting into the hands, mostly of men, uh, an incredible amount of power over their spouses. That if a woman did just anything, any or everything, he could then divorce her. Había poder en las manos de los hombres en una sociedad dominada por los hombres. So the Pharisees come to Jesus then with all this context and they say, Jesus, do you agree with this? Can we divorce our wives for any and every reason? ¿Estás de acuerdo, Jesús? ¿Podemos divorciarnos de las esposas por cualquier motivo? And in his response, Jesus basically says, you're asking the wrong question. No es la pregunta apropiada. The question is not, what are the biblical reasons for getting a divorce? No es, ¿cuáles son los pretextos bíblicos para divorciarnos? The question is not, how can I get out of my marriage? The question is not, how can I escape? What are the reasons I can do that? ¿Cuáles son los motivos para escaparme de, de mi matrimonio? No es la pregunta. How can I find greener pastures? 
¿Cómo encontrar pasos más verdes? It's the wrong question. The real question is, what are the reasons for being in a marriage and staying there? ¿Cuáles son los motivos para quedarme y permanecer en mi matrimonio? Look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, versículo 5. Jesus says this, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Por eso, por este motivo, dejará el hombre a su padre y su madre, y se unirá a su esposa, y los dos llegarán a ser un solo cuerpo. For this reason, for what reason? ¿Para qué motivo? If you back up a verse, it says, for the reason that God has created them male and female. God has made them male and female, and for this reason, He has designed it so that He can bring male and female together, two separate individuals, and unite them in one uh, entity of matrimony, of marriage. Dios los hizo hombre y mujer para unirlos en una unidad. And what God puts together, it is not meant to be pulled apart. The reason is God has designed marriage. It is His idea. Dios ha diseñado esto para que el hombre y mujer, la mujer estén juntos en unidad. And so what God has put together, you shouldn't be looking for reasons. No one should be looking for reasons to separate. Que nadie busque pretextos para separar esto. In other words, what, what Jesus is saying is that God God is the reason for staying together in a marriage. It is God who is the super glue of a man and a woman coming together. God's commitment is way bigger than our commitment, and that is enough. El compromiso de Dios es más grande que nuestro compromiso. Many times when, when couples get into trouble in their marriage, in their relationship, there's this great temptation to begin to ask the question, how can I get out of this? How can I leave? Hay la tentación de hacer la pregunta, ¿cómo escaparme de este matrimonio? The real question again is this, how can God, who put us together, sustain us? ¿Cómo que Dios que nos unió puede sostenernos? I love how one, one Bible scholar I, I read uh, put it this way. He says this. He says, trying to look into the Bible to find reasons for divorce, it's a little bit like looking at the owner's manual of your car and trying to find a reason to crash it. That's what it's like. Es, es como mirar el manual de tu carro buscando pretexto para chocarlo. You're looking for a reason to have an accident. So then the Pharisees say, why then did Moses command us to divorce our wives and give them a certificate? ¿Por qué nos mandó Moisés de dar a nuestras esposas un certificado de divorcio? Jesus says, you're, you're asking the wrong question again. He didn't command it, he, he permitted it. Lo permitió, why? He permitted it not because there's something wrong with marriage. No hay nada malo con el matrimonio. God designed it. God made it to work. 
The problem's not with marriage. The problem is with you. El problema está con ustedes. Your hearts. Your hearts are, your hearts are hard. There's stubbornness and selfishness and sin. Hay pecado ahí. In fact, I think that anyone who's been divorced can tell you, no matter what, there's nothing more painful. There's always some sin involved. Maybe one more than the other, but there's always sin. Hay siempre pecado. So the something indecent of Deuteronomy 24.1, what is that? El algo indecoroso de Deuteronomio 24.1, ¿qué es esto? Jesus says that's sexual immorality or marital unfaithfulness. Es la infidelidad conyugal. And that's the only reason given in that scripture. Es la única razón aquí. And so Jesus goes even so far as to say, if you're looking for any and every reason to get out of your marriage, whether you're successful or not, you're looking to commit adultery. Si buscas cualquier pretexto para escaparte del matrimonio, buscas cometer adulterio. Now these are pretty hard words, aren't they? Son palabras duras. And I want to be clear here that these are words we have to chew on and think about. And there are in this room those who have suffered the pain of divorce. And it is a pain. It is a hard thing. Hay los que han sufrido el divorcio. This is talking a lot about the before picture, but there's also the after picture, right? The aftermath. This doesn't talk much about the forgiveness of God. It doesn't talk much about the restoration of God, but that doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't talk about that. And so I want to be clear here about what we're getting at. This is not all of what we need to say about divorce, and that's a big can of worms to open up this morning. Eso no es de todo lo que se puede decir de divorcio. Hay restauración, hay perdón del Señor. There is forgiveness, and there is healing available in Jesus Christ. But the point here is that Jesus shows us that we need to ask the right questions. Tenemos que hacer las preguntas apropiadas. So the disciples say, well, why get married at all? Oh, wow, this is pretty challenging. ¿Por qué casarnos? And Jesus says, it's not given to everyone to be married. This is a gift from God, but it's not a gift for everyone. Some are going to have the gift of being single and pure and following God and serving His purposes, and that is also honorable and good. Hay los que no se casan, y eso también puede ser regalo de Dios para los propósitos de Dios. So let's go on. Uh, uh, there's so much more that could be said there, but I want to bring your attention to the next encounter, which is in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Uh, Mateo 19, 16. There's a man that comes to Jesus, and we know from this scripture he's a wealthy man. Un hombre rico viene a Jesús. He also has a question. It's a sincere question. He says to Jesus, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Maestro, ¿qué de bueno tengo que hacer para obtener la vida eterna? And Jesus challenges the question right out the gate. He says, why are you asking me about what is good? Because what is good 
only comes from God. ¿Por qué me preguntas de lo bueno? Lo bueno solo viene de Dios. Are you implying something about me? Are you implying that I might be God? ¿Implicas que yo puede, puedo ser Dios? But then Jesus goes on to kind of give the man what I would say would be the stock answer, the, the current answer out there. Jesús le da como la respuesta normal. Well, you know what it takes to have eternal life. You got to keep the commandments. Hay que seguir los mandamientos. But the man wants specifics. He says, which ones? Which ones do I have to keep? ¿Cuáles? And Jesus goes ahead and he lists them for the man. He says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father, your mother, love your neighbor, no mates, no cometas adulterio, no robes, no presente falso testimonio contra tu padre y tu madre, ama tu prójimo. What we get here, the idea is almost like this man has come to Jesus and he's got a checklist of the things he's got to accumulate to have eternal life. Es casi como tiene una lista de cosas para acumular. And so it's like, okay, let's see what we have here. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, I've been honest. Check, I've got that. Okay, uh, honor father, mother. Check, he sido honesto, he honrado mis papás. Sí, I've been sexually pure. Check, he sido puro sexualmente. Sí, I've loved my neighbor. Check, oh yeah, and there's one more on the list. I'm rich. Soy rico. Check, why? Because in those days, Rich people were considered to be more spiritual than everybody else. Los ricos a ellos se les consideraban más espirituales. So I'm, I'm spiritual. I've got, okay, I've got all this stuff, but there's, there's something missing on my list. What else do I need, Jesus? Hay algo que, que no tengo mi lista. What else? And Jesus says, you want to be perfect. If you want your list complete, Here it is. And in verse 21, Jesus turns this man's world upside down. Si quieres ser perfecto, tener una lista completa, eso es lo que hay que hacer. If you want to have your list and everything accumulated to go into eternal life, here's what you need to do. Go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Anda, vende todo lo que tienes y dáselo a los pobres y tendrás tesoro en el cielo. Luego ven y sígueme. fact what Jesus is saying to this man is the real question you need to be asking is not what do I need to have to get eternal life what do I need to do what do I need to accumulate la pregunta no es que tengo que acumular para ten, tener la vida eterna the real question is what do I need to get rid of What do I need to let go of so that my hands are free to accept the free gift of salvation, of eternal life? ¿De qué tengo de que desprenderme para tener las manos libres y aceptar el regalo de la vida eterna? That's the real question. Maybe you've heard of Hernán Cortés. He was one of the Spanish explorers who came to the New World. Hernán Cortés, explorador español, vino a México. He came to Mexico. And there's a legend that says when he got to Mexico, he had his soldiers burn his ships. Quemó sus barcos, según la leyenda. Why? He wanted to motivate his group to keep going forward after the treasure that they were looking for. Quería motivar a todos a buscar el tesoro. Now, the legend isn't exactly what happened. According to history, the reality is he didn't burn the ships. No los quemó, según la historia. He, he scuttled them. In other words, he destroyed them some way. Los destruyó. But he did leave one ship. Dejó un solo barco. Why did he leave that one ship? Well, supposedly he left that one ship behind, not for his soldiers, but for the treasure 
they were going to find. Dejó el barco no para los soldados sino para el tesoro. I'm telling you that story because it's almost like in this interaction, Jesus is saying to this man, you cannot sail into eternal life with a fleet of ships. No puedes zarpar a la vida eterna con todos estos barcos. You've got to scuttle them. You can't go into eternal life with the money boat and the morality boat and the family boat and the prestige boat. All these boats, you can't have all of that. That's got to be scuttled. You've got to give that up. Let it go. No puedes zarpar a la vida eterna con el barco de dinero, de, de moralidad, de la familia, etc. There's only one boat that you can sail on into eternal life, and that boat has to contain the treasure. It's called the Jesus boat. Hay un solo barco que es el barco Jesús, and I'm the treasure. Leave everything else behind. Come follow me. Make me your treasure. Sígueme a mí. Yo soy el tesoro. So you see, in these two instances, what we're seeing is Jesus doesn't just answer our questions. He's challenging us to change the questions so that we will find the answer in him. Jesús no reta cambiar las preguntas para encontrar la respuesta en él. Peter comes to him in Matthew 19:27. He says, we've done what, what you asked this man to do. We've left everything behind to follow you. What then is there going to be for us? Pedro dice, hemos dejado todo por seguirte. ¿Y qué ganamos con eso? And Jesus says, well, you'll have thrones in my kingdom, yes. And I tell you, everyone who's left behind houses and, and family and all of that, you're going to receive a hundred times more and you're going to receive and inherit eternal life. Todo el que haya dejado detrás a padres y, y familia y todo, recibirá cien veces más y hasta heredará la vida eterna. You're going to have your reward, Jesus says to Peter. Tendrás tu, tu recompensa, le dice. But then in chapter 20, Here come James and John and their mother, and they want to get a little more specific on the reward. What's the reward really going to be, Jesus? Jacob y Juan y su mamá quieren saber qué es la, eh, la recompensa. You talked about us sitting on thrones. Okay, how about if we have the right side and the left side? We want to be on those special thrones in your kingdom. Podemos tener la posición a la izquierda y la derecha en tu reino. Can we have those privileged places? And again, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. No saben lo que preguntan, les dice Jesús. The question is not, what is my position going to be? No es cómo va a ser mi proposición, que será. The real question is, what is my position to be right now? ¿Cuál será mi posición ahora? Look at Matthew 20, verse 27. Mateo 20, versículo 27. He says, whoever wants to be first. If you want first place, it's got to be right now. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. You need to take the position of a servant. El que quiera ser el primero deberá ser el esclavo de los demás. Why? Because that's my position. The Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why I have come. El Hijo del Hombre no vino para que le sirvan, sino para servir y para dar su vida en rescate por muchos. So the real question is not what's my position going to be. The real question is how can I serve Jesus now? ¿Cómo puedo servirle a Jesús ahora? The question is really not what's my reward going to be. And that's also demonstrated in this parable at the beginning of chapter 20, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Vemos eso en la parábola de los obreros del viñedo. This master has a vineyard and, and the workers work all day in the vineyard and everybody gets the same pay. Everybody gets the same reward. Los obreros todos reciben el mismo, uh, la misma paga. Now the ones who work all day in the vineyard, they're upset because the ones who worked only an hour get the same thing they do. Los que labran todo el día se discusan por los que solo trabajan una hora porque reciben la misma recompensa. But again, through the parable, Jesus is saying the proper question is not, what will be my reward in God's kingdom? La pregunta no es, ¿cuál va a ser mi recompensa en el reino de Dios? The real question is, who will be my reward? ¿Quién será mi recompensa? Whether you follow Jesus Christ for 10 minutes at the end of your life or all your life, the reward is going to be the same and you will not be cheated because the reward is Jesus. Si sigues a Jesús 10 minutos o toda la vida, la recompensa la, la misma es Jesús. You'll have Jesus and that will be more than enough. So the questions we ask are often going to show where our focus is. If our focus is on Jesus or on something else. Las preguntas muestran si el enfoque está en Jesús o a otra cosa. But Jesus, for his part, knows exactly where he's focused. He knows exactly where he's headed. And that's what we see in Matthew 20, verse 18. Jesús sabe cuál es su enfoque. He says, we're going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man's going to be betrayed. They're going to condemn him to death. Turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Vamos rumbo a Jerusalén, el Hijo del Hombre será entregado, lo condenará a muerte, eh, lo entregarán a los gentiles para que se burlen de él, lo azoten y crucifiquen, el tercer día resucitará. Jesus is honed in on the cross. That's the position he's going to take, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesús está enfocado en la cruz. And so it's in light of what Jesus has done for us through his death and resurrection, we need to understand the most important questions in life are not the ones we usually ask. Las preguntas no son como las hacemos muchas veces. Many times we're asking questions like, what can I get away with? Or what do I have to do? Or what, what do I need to get? Or what will be my reward? ¿Cómo puedo escaparme? ¿O ¿Qué debo hacer o obtener? ¿O ¿Cuál va a ser mi premio? There's a whole different set of questions to be asked. And in the last 
part of chapter 20, the very last story, we get a clue as to how we can be asking different questions. Vemos cómo hacer otras preguntas en el caso de la última historia del capítulo 20. We have two blind men, and they're by the roadside, and Jesus comes along, and they cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Dos ciegos claman, Jesús, hijo de David, ten misericordia de nosotros. And Jesus stops, and he asks them, what do you want? ¿Qué quieren? And they say, We want to see. We want our sight. Queremos recobrar la vista. And Jesus heals them. Jesús los sana. And here, here I think is where we need to be. Because we are the blind men. Somos los secos. And The kinds of questions we should be asking are what these guys ask. Jesus, will you have mercy on me? Jesús, tendrás misericordia de mí? Jesus, can I please see you? Can I see you? Te puedo ver. Those are the questions. That change everything for us because the answer is in Him. So, this week, we're stepping into a new week and we're like those blind men by the roadside and we don't know what's coming. There's problems that we're facing this week. There's opportunities we're facing this week. There's challenges. There's joys. Hay problemas y oportunidades esta semana. And here's the invitation to change our questions. My temptation is to ask, what do I need to do? ¿Qué debo hacer? Es lo que yo quiero preguntar. The better question, I think, is, who do I need to go to? ¿A quién acudiré? And the who is Jesus. He put himself in jeopardy for you and me on the cross to change our lives. And so Jesus... Jesus, how can I trust you? How can I honor you? How can I seek you? How can I see you wherever I go? ¿Cómo puedo confiar en ti, Jesús, honrarte, buscarte, verte donde quiera que yo vaya? Let's pray. Vamos a orar. Lord Jesus, I admit there's a lot in Matthew 19 and 20 that I still don't understand. Hay mucho aquí que todavía no entiendo. And that's why I need you. We need you. Thank you, though, that you came to give your life as a ransom. Lord Jesus, Help us. Help us to let go. Help us to put behind us the things that we typically look for so that we can have in front of us following you as our true treasure. Ayúdanos a poner detrás de nosotros las cosas que muchas veces por las cuales nos afanamos para buscar de ti como nuestro tesoro de verdad. We thank you, and we just bring ourselves to you and place ourselves before you. 
have mercy on us. We want to see you. Ten misericordia de nosotros, Jesús. Queremos verte. It's in your name and by your grace that we pray together and say, Amen.